Good morning, saints. How's everybody? Let's stand up. All right, let's pray. Father, we bless your people this morning. Thank you that you grant unto us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I surrender my body and soul up to you and ask you to work through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated, and if you have your Bibles and care to, you can um, open it to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, and verse 12. It says, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they had killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? So I want you to notice this is happening after the Passover lamb is killed. One of the problems that people have when they want to hold to the inerrancy of Scripture, and there's a difference between Scripture being inspired in a way that can bring life and empower you and help you know who you are, why you're here, where you're going, who God is, and a view of Scripture that says there's no contradictions, there's no errors whatsoever, and it's true in all things, historical, scientific, etc. The Bible, first of all, was never intended to be that. Uh, We are grappling with questions that people in the ancient world never asked. (laughs) And then we try to torture and twist the scriptures and make it say something to fit what we think how things should be. But it's interesting because in Mark's account, uh, they're celebrating the Passover after the Passover lamb is killed. On John's account, Jesus is dying on the cross while they're killing the Passover lamb. Okay, just leave that with you. But for this account, I want you to notice, you can check it out, that it's after, where when they had killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he go, and wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there, make ready. So the disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. And in the evening he came in with the twelve. And then when he's instituting it, let's just jump down to verse 22. It says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he gave the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from this. And he said to them, This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then one verse. In Colossians, God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians comes after Philippians. Colossians, yeah, all right. Colossians, let's have fun today, right? Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us. I want you to hear this part. He has delivered us from the power of darkness conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So I want to just comment on some of this. And I want to start, if I didn't start out of the box, I wouldn't feel normal. So don't get don't get too weirded out by this if this is the first time you're hearing this. But there there is a lot in Scripture that relates to the sun, the moon, and the stars. Because uh, 
Scripture comes from a ancient Hebraic tradition. Our Bible is Jewish. Even the New Testament was written by Jewish authors. Hello. So it's Jewish and it's ancient. And the Jewish cycles, because they were an agricultural society, like all ancient societies, functioned based on the thank you, based on the sun, moon, and stars, including when they had their feasts. So all their cycles of feasts, including the Feast of Passover, were astrological, based on the signs and constellations and the arrangements of the stars. Now, every ancient group that studied the stars calculated different ages based on the same constellations. So there was a recognition on one level that the earth would basically pass through the stars. So how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand because some of you think you got a demon for doing it, but how many ever read your horoscope or know what your sign is? Well, how did you get that sign? Do you have any idea? Do you, I mean, just because you were born, why did they decide that I'm, I'm Virgo, I was born in the end of August, so why did they decide from August 22nd to September 21st, 22nd, 23rd, whatever it is, that that month would be Virgo, and the month before that would be, what is it, um, Leo, and the month before that would be Cancer. I mean, how did they decide all that? The way the constellations were set up and the way the sun rises... So, in other words, where the sun is rising, it's passing through those constellations. Based on... Got it? So then they also had this thing called the ages. And so when Paul's talking about the end of the age, he's not talking about the end of the world. He's talking about the fact that they are getting to a point where another sign is going to dominate in the sky. And so they were literally passing over at the time of Christ, not just celebrating the Jews coming out of Egypt, and uh, which is what the Passover feast was, right? The Jews were in Egypt, and they're coming out of the Passover feast. But they were also, some, uh, it was also a time of the transition of the ages. Uh, and I always get the age prior to Pisces wrong, so you have to forgive me. Who's the Who's the ram? Aries, I always say Taurus, but so it was passing from the age of Aries, which is the age of the ram, to the age of Pisces, which is the two fish. Now watch the rhythm of scripture. When you're in the age of Aries, the ram, animal sacrifices are the gateway to the gods. So what's interesting is, at another transition, that's why they sacrificed a lamb. If it had been the age of Taurus, they would have sacrificed a bull. So that's why they killed it. That's why they ate the lamb. They ate the lamb because of the astrology in the sky. Jesus comes during the age of Pisces. Now, Pisces fish, where do fish live? They live in water. So you go from blood sacrifice to baptism. Cleansing, but also baptism. So Jesus comes up out of the water. Why didn't you have baptism before? Jesus, when, when God's dealing with the ancient people, he calls shepherds. What was David? Shepherd. What was Moses? Shepherd. See it? Who shows up at the birth of Jesus in your little plays that you do for the nativity place? The magi who do what? They read the signs of the stars and the shepherds. But then Jesus doesn't call shepherds. And he doesn't talk really much about them shepherding the sheep. Who, who does he call? Fishermen. Fishermen. And what does he tell them? Follow me and I will make you 
Thank you, fishers of men. Why? Because there's a shift. So Jesus' miracles are about water. He calms the sea. He walks on the water. He changes the water into wine. And when he dies on the cross, he puts an end to sacrifice and offering because the age whereby the gateway into the spiritual realm was opened up through sacrifice and offering of has changed. So why am I talking about all this? Because a couple things that are interesting. And a lot of the star stuff in the scripture, it would be fun to just go through the Bible and look at how it relates to the stars. A lot of it's sort of hidden in the scriptures. So Jesus says, they say, after they kill the Passover lamb, where are we going to celebrate this? Where are we going to eat this? And he says, go into the city, and you'll find a man with a water pitcher in his hand. Follow him into a large furnished upper room, and there we'll celebrate the Passover, right? First problem with that is in ancient cultures, men didn't carry water pitchers. That was strictly women's work. And do you really think, do you really think that it's just this literal premonition that Jesus had? I mean, maybe it was, or is Mark trying to tell us something a little bit more profound than the fact that Jesus just knew there'd be a guy with a water pitcher when men didn't carry water pitchers? But the name of the constellation Aquarius, the picture of it is the man with the water pitcher in his hand, (laughs) who waters the celestial garden in the sky. And without getting too technical, in astrology, constellations dwell in houses. (laughs) Now here's the other interesting thing. Most people think, that study this stuff, that we are in another shift of the ages where we are shifting out of the age of Pisces and moving into the age of Aquarius. Which is why there was... Nobody talked about the end times. Nobody talked... You you go back through church writings, church history, theology. Nobody was focused on when is Jesus coming back there wasn't any rapture teaching. I hate to disappoint you if that's your thing, but it just wasn't there prior to about the mid to late 1800s and then in the 20th century. Why did the people of God suddenly start talking about the end of the age? Because we're coming to another end of an age. We're coming to the end of the age of Pisces, and I think we've moved into the age of Aquarius. Now here's... One of the issues. Now, you might think, because he's a man with a water pitcher, that that, uh, Aquarius relates to water, but actually Pisces is the water sign. Aquarius is an air sign. And the water that he's pouring out is information. So when you're in the age of Pisces, everything, when you're in the age of Aries, everything is about the land. So the focus is on Israel and the land. When you're in the age of Pisces, it's about crossing the sea. So Columbus discovers the new world. We all become connected because basically water is conquered. But nobody was flying. You have no idea how much this stuff influences humanity. How come they were building ships, but nobody was flying? Because it's all... See, your Bible actually says God put this stuff in the sky to govern the earth. So if you're being governed by a water sign, you're not going into the air. Which is why you can go from the invention of the airplane to the moon 
in such a short time span. It's why all the technological developments have to do with the airwaves. It's why there's this tremendous deluge of information that is now available to us that wasn't available to us before. And so we are living, as the people of God, in an age of transition. So just like Jesus had to put an end to sacrifice and offering because the age of the lamb was over and now we had moved into the age of the fish. And he went from calling shepherds to fishers of men. And the old temple system was destroyed 40 years after Jesus died so that a new temple where the outpouring of the water of the Spirit could come into your life. Out of your innermost being, Jesus said, will flow rivers of water. Why? As in heaven, so on earth. See it? So here's my point. Kind of getting a little sidetracked on this stuff, but I think some of you maybe weren't here when I taught it before or it went over your head when I taught it before and so maybe hearing it again. There's another radical change that's happening that you cannot stop that's impacting consciousness. And so there are new things that are happening There are new ideas, new inventions, but also there are breakthroughs in the realm of spirituality. Because remember, Aquarius waters the garden in the sky. Pisces are two fish that are tied together. So it's about religion, because religion means to bind together. It's about those cords that connect people together. And so much of what was transpiring in the age of Pisces was about structures and following and religion. Aquarius is a totally different thing. And when it shifts, Pisces moves under the foot of Aquarius when it shifts in the sky. Which means now people are like, religions are dying, institutions are dying, and people are interested in spirituality, but also individuality. Why? Because they're not chained to each other anymore. Are you breathing? <laughs> okay, now let's let's make it practical a little bit more. The death of Christ that we celebrate, Palm Sunday, going into the resurrection of Jesus, Easter Sunday. Is happening under the shadow, if you will of Passover. And Passover had virtually nothing to do, well, not virtually, Passover had absolutely nothing to do with the forgiveness of sins. It had to do with liberation from bondage. So, for those of you that don't know, what's Passover? If you know the story, Moses, Israel born, Pharaoh wipes out all the Israel kids. Mom sends Moses down the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses, lifts him up. That's what the word Moses is an Egyptian name, not a Jewish name. That means to be drawn from the river. Later, without going into the whole thing, he comes back to liberate Israel who are living as slaves and they're building wealth cities for Pharaoh. So they are oppressed and they are in slavery, right? Pharaoh comes in and says, let my people go. 
I mean, sorry, Moses comes in and says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh gets mad. He tells them, oh, you got to make bricks without straw. He keeps making their life harder and harder and harder. Worse and worse and worse. Until finally the last judgment and all these plagues come. Moses sends all these plagues. And then finally the last judgment comes on Egypt. And God says this. He says, uh, the angel of death will pass over the land. And the firstborn of everything... Human and animal is going to die unless I see blood on the doorposts. Then God tells the Israelites, kill a lamb, take the blood, basically paint the doorposts, and the angel of death will pass over. So it's not about sin, it's about deliverance from death. Because sin was dealt with several months later on the Feast Day of Atonement. Jesus, if God's orchestrating this, God could have made sure Jesus died in the Feast Day of Atonement. But he didn't. He died under Passover. And then the ultimate result was they got out of bondage. So really, the death of Christ has more to do with addressing death and getting you out of bondage than it does with atonement or the forgiveness of sins. Now, I know I just read a couple texts, so we'll get to the forgiveness of sins part. Because Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant, right? All right, let's make it more practical. I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling. What Pharaoh are you serving? What brickyard are you in? What limitation or bondage holds you captive? Because if we can reframe things and be truly biblical about it, then maybe, maybe there's something in the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and something in this time when we commemorate that and celebrate that under the stars because it's the month. Maybe there is something that would be powerful enough to help you break through. To help you be set free. So think about it for a minute. Just ponder the question. What favor are you serving? <laughs> what brick are you working in? What's your problem? What's your struggle? What's, what's the thing that messes with you? That's the first thing. The second thing I'd like to suggest to you, I feel like Morpheus if you ever saw The Matrix. The, the real prison is in your mind. It's a prison of consciousness. And so if you're going to get free... Something has to impact your consciousness to move you from living in one place to living somewhere else. And if that's going to happen, something in your mind has to die. Which is why Jesus was crucified where? At the place of the skull. Because the, the cross of Jesus really is about the transformation of your own consciousness. And for some reason, I believe the way the story is told, it points to the day in which we live. Because he says, when you get in the city... Follow the man with the water pitcher in his hand. And when he enters into his house, he will take you to a large upper furnished room where all things have been made ready. So what if everything that has transpired from the death of Jesus until now has been one giant preparation for a company of people that would show up when the man with the water pitcher in his hand shows up and moves into his house and there in a large furnished upper room Amen. 
He's prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. So then you have to ask yourself, and I have to ask myself, what is the shift in consciousness that needs to take place? And quite frankly, until you realize that your prison is your consciousness, it's the way you think, it's what you think about, it's how you think about it, until you realize that really the hell that Jesus came to rescue you from was the hell created in your own inner being by your own fear-based negative thinking, you really are missing the whole point of life. That the whole point is a transformation of your consciousness. And what God wants to do is help you get out of your prison, break out of your limitations, get out of your own self-created hells of mental and emotional torment and negativity, and bring you into a higher place where all things have already been done for you, and all things have already been prepared for you, and you are no longer working Some religious system like you did under the age of Pisces, but you have moved into a higher place where you are now in a heavenly garden in consciousness, being fed by the waters of the Spirit, by the master of the house who has made all things ready for you. And so here's what I'm saying. That God has already prepared a place inside of you, inside your own consciousness, where you don't have to do all of the work, but where all things have already been made for you. The issue is not you changing it, or or in other words, it's not you putting new content in there so that there is something different. It is you coming out of the darkness where you cannot find the treasure and the thing that has already been put inside of you by God so that you can unleash it and unlock it by making contact with it because it has been illuminated to you. Jesus said this, He said, The evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things, and the good person out of the good treasure of their heart brings forth good things. So basically you get to choose. Whatever you're getting in your life is the feedback of what you've been putting out. If you're getting evil in your life, it's coming from the evil treasure inside your own heart. And if you're getting good in your life, it's coming from the good treasure inside your own heart. I'm sorry that's just the truth. Now, if you sit there and look at your circumstance and say, you mean to tell me I created all this hell? I'm going to tell you something. Your problem is you think happiness rests outside of you. Because you're looking at your circumstance and you're judging it and saying, if it was different, then I'd be happy without realizing that you could move into a happier circumstance and still create the same hell. That the key is not being able to change and control the world like some all-powerful genie that can just wave a magic wand and make everything better. Because I'm going to tell you something, you can wave the magic wand and make everything in your circumstances, everything you want it to be, and you're still going to be in hell. Because it's about your state of consciousness and your state of mind, and it is higher. It is a higher place. It is an upper room. Ah. It is an upper room. It it is a place where you can mount up with wings like eagles. It's a place where you can run and not be weary. Where you can walk and not faint. Where you can soar over it because because when your consciousness is right, you're in a higher plane. You're at a higher place. You're in a heavenly garden. You're in an upper room. And it doesn't matter. What's going on down here? So that can lead us to this place where it's like, oh my God, I gotta, I gotta change. So let me give you some practical examples. If you are beating up on yourself, if you see yourself in a negative light, 
If you see yourself as whatever, less than, coming somehow... I'm less than. Uh, somebody else always gets there before I do. Other people are always enjoying the good things of life, and I seem to always be left out. I'm always making mistakes. I'm, I'm, things just don't work out. Things are always a struggle for me. I was born the wrong gender. I was born in the wrong time period. I was born to the wrong family. I was born in the wrong with the wrong color of skin. I, w- I was born with the right color of skin. I mean... Yeah. Whatever you're saying to yourself about yourself that's, that, that is injurious, that is harmful, that is damaging, is creating the hell inside you. And that will not change because your circumstances improved. And even if it did, you'd be dependent upon your circumstances. Because the moment a new storm comes, the moment a disappointment happens, the moment a setback happens, you're going to be right back in the same Damn jail, doing the same thing, experiencing the same outcomes. And then it could be overwhelming. Think, okay, well, I got to change this. No, you just have to get out. You just have to. You have to get out of the guilt. You have to get out of the shame. You have to get out of the self condemnation. You got to quit telling yourself you're not smart. You got to quit telling yourself you're not pretty or handsome. You got to quit telling yourself uh, what I don't know where your prison is. <laughs> I don't know what kind of negative stuff you create. You got to quit telling the victim stories with all the villains in your life. This villain at work that if they just act right, then my work would be okay. And this villain in my house, if they just <laughs> do right, then the house would be peaceful. Or I'm not saying maybe you need to change your job because it's too negative. Maybe you need to get out of a relationship or whatever the case may be because, because, because ultimately how is that relationship impacting your consciousness? Because that's the issue. It's not an issue of, well, they put the toilet paper on backwards and squeeze the toothpaste from the middle of the thing and, or whatever. What's the impact of consciousness? What's the impact on the heart? But regardless, at some point, we have to realize, what I'm doing, I'm doing to myself. What I'm, one of the most powerful things a person who's been victimized, I mean, truly victimized, and, and please hear me, I mean, I, I deal with this, like, on a level you have no idea with people. And people can come in, in, a, in when, when there's confidentiality and tell you the most horrible stories of their childhood or their upbringing or the way somebody else has treated them. And they're hurting from it. And I'm going to tell you one of the most powerful things is for that person to realize, as long as they're not still in that situation... As long as they're actually not in a situation of abuse or loss or whatever that's out there that's causing the pain, then the only place the pain of that event exists is in between their ears. That's the only place it exists. And the only life that has is the life that that person chooses to give it, because basically when you realize who you are in the image of God, you understand that you have the power to create things. And most of the demons that people deal with are not archaic spirits of some rebellion with Lucifer, that you're just so important they had to come trouble you. You don't realize your power to create even entities in the realm of consciousness that take on a life of their own that become your Pharaoh. If. So coming back. So what's, what's the first step? Now, now please then understand. There is a place inside your consciousness. See, when you understand that Jesus' physical body left, we may talk about this next week for Easter, but Mary 
finds what? When she sees Jesus in the garden, when in, in, in the one account where Mary goes to the tomb, she sees Jesus, she doesn't recognize him. Who does she mistake him to be? The gardener. Think about the deeper meaning of that. And what does she try to do? She tries to cling to him. <clears throat> tries to hold on to him. And what does he say? Mary, don't, don't hold on to me. I have not yet ascended. Now here's my question. Is there, when we talk about Jesus ascending and clouds receiving him up, is there some place out there physically where Jesus went to dwell? When he was went out of sight, I mean, is, where, where is it? Is it past the moon? Is it past the asteroid field? I know, it's out past the constellations that we see. Where'd he go? Well, he went to heaven. Where's heaven? What'd Jesus say? The kingdom of heaven is... So what if it's possible that the ascension of Jesus is not physical but metaphysical? And what if it's possible that he went to exist in a place of consciousness that you can access with your heart and mind so that you can feel the presence of God? So that you can hear the voice of God. So that you can be led by the Spirit. And what if all faith is, is the ability to access what's actually there in consciousness? Because if you don't believe it, you can't access it. If you don't believe it, you can't experience it. And so what if faith... is the ability to not look at things from the same perspective you've been looking at them from? What if faith is the ability to deny how things really feel inside? What if the first step of faith is actual complete renunciation and self-doubt? Because everything I've been telling myself that I thought was true, as long as I still believe it, I'm going to stay at the same level of consciousness. Everything that I've been feeling that causes me to feel like this is true is going to keep me at the same level of consciousness. And as long as I'm at the same level of consciousness, I'm going to keep creating the same stuff. And so what if, to come to a place of faith, I have to deny how I feel... I have to deny what I've been thinking. I have to stop listening to the voices inside my head that are negative. I've got to stop going back over the timeline of my life and rehearsing all the stuff that I did wrong. I've got to stop laying down emotionally with my regrets about what was and maybe what could have been. I've got to stop uh, anticipating a bad future with all kinds of worry and anxiety. And the only place that worry and anxiety exists is inside yourself. So that you're creating it for yourself, the experience, before you may or may not have to actually experience it. So all you're doing by worrying is experiencing what you don't want to experience now and then possibly later. Did you get that? And so you're creating all that stuff. And so what if the work of faith and what if the forgiveness of sins is about coming to the place that it really doesn't matter anymore? What if it's not so much about God having to forgive you, but Jesus giving you something that empowers you to move out of the prison of your own unforgiveness? What if it's really more about you being able to forgive yourself? What if it's really about... (laughs) 
You being able to let go of the thoughts and feelings that have been creating what you've been creating and venture out into the unknown, into something that that might be better. Maybe there is power in the blood of Jesus to wash away your sin, but it's not washing it away from God's record book in the sky because he can't wait to judge you. It's washing it away from the record book of your own consciousness. So that you can be free from the self-indicting and you can begin to affirm something more positive about yourself. What would happen if you just took some of the verses and promises in the Bible and you just woke up and decided, I don't care how it looks today. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what I'm saying inside my head. I am going to choose to make a belief statement that this is true about me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to make a decision to believe that this is true about me today. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm going to make a decision to believe this is true about me today, that I am more than a conqueror through Christ who gives me strength. That I am a new creation and the old things have passed away and all things have become new. That I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That I am sanctified and holy. That God dwells inside of me. That greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. And you begin to create for yourself a different house and a different meal that you eat about yourself. And instead of thinking nothing ever works out right for me and rehearse all the crap that's happened in your life that made it go wrong, you begin to say, you know what, from this day forward, something good is about to happen to me. I have favor with God and with man. And what happens? You get set back again. In fact, when you do that, can I tell you, basically, in the realm of consciousness, you are ma- it is an act of war. <laughs> when you stand up and say, I'm going to think different, I'm going to live different, I'm going to connect with God with faith, you just declared war on something, and all that stuff is going to go crazy. All the little pharaohs in your mind are going to get louder. <laughs> And something invariably is going to happen. The refrigerator is going to break down. You're going to go to the doctor and get a diagnosis. The kids are going to act up worse than ever. Or maybe all of the above. And what's the temptation going to be? Oh my God, God brought us out in this wilderness to die. We were better off back there. And so what happens? See, I told you I told you that stuff wouldn't work. I've been trying and trying and trying, but it isn't working. And so what do you do? You go back and live in... The good news is, if it's the age of Aquarius, God sent you some extra help. Amen. There's literally energy coming from the heavens to help you awaken and to help you shift your consciousness. <laughs> So you have something the disciples didn't even have. They had the Holy Spirit, they had Jesus, but this is something even bigger. Because you still have Jesus and you still have the Holy Spirit, but you have the extra help. One of the best things you can do is just stop believing your own negative commentary. Just don't believe it anymore. What would happen if you just decide, I'm just not going to believe that anymore? Yeah, but it feels so real. So? Are you the almighty truth detector? Because it feels real to you, that must be how it is? That's arrogance. It takes a great dose of humility to say, I'm not going to believe it feels real. I think this is how it is. But I'm not going to trust myself because basically you quit asking yourself. Okay, I'll leave you with this. What if instead of asking yourself, is this really how it is? What if you asked yourself, is this way of thinking how I want to live? What if you asked yourself, is this way of thinking and feeling serving me right now? Doesn't matter if it's real. Is it serving me? Is it blessing me? Is it enriching my life? Is it working out for me? And if the answer is yes, then stay. 
There's no judgment, no condemnation. Stay. Great. Good for you. You found something that's working. Bottle up your inward state and see if you can sell it to your friends. It's so wonderful. <laughs> Nobody's going to argue with you out of, argue you out of your problem. Or what if you just decided, I'm going to create a new life, but I'm going to do it from the inside first. And that means I'm going to forgive myself. And what if we could look at the death of Jesus? And what if we could look at the cross? And what if we could look at the communion elements? And what if we could think about the blood in a way that empowers us to do something that no Eastern religion has? To have real forgiveness so that you can act as if that stuff never happened. I'm preaching to myself, by the way. I don't have this mastered by any means. I'm just saying. But at some point, you got to get... If you're fighting this fight, Paul called it a good fight of faith. If you're fighting this fight, at some point, you got to get back in the fight. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. There's so many good things. There's so many amazing things that are happening. And you are an incredible person. And God has furnished and placed incredible stuff inside of you. You have incredible potential. But if you are subject to your own self-condemnation and self-dialogue, you'll never know the real freedom and liberty that you can have in your own Passover. You never know the freedom and liberty you could have outside the brickyard. You never know how good it could be. Thousands, maybe millions of people have changed their life by just saying, I'm going to quit believing the negative commentary inside my head. I'm going to forgive myself. And I don't care if nobody likes it. I am going to say it's a new day for me. And I'm going to affirm some new truth. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm more than a conqueror. If God be for me, who could be against me? No weapon formed against me will prosper. It works. All right, let's stand up. Was that okay? Was that helpful? Okay, three or four of you thought so, so. They told me in Bible school, if you just change one life... It'll all be worth it. Let's lift our hands. Just make connection. If it's true, if it's true, you see, we want God to exist out there, not in here. What if God exists quite literally in the mind and in the heart? Of course he exists out there too, but... What if the place that you find him, that you connect with him, is not outside yourself, and that's why science can't prove he exists? Because <laughs> they're looking in the wrong place. Close your eyes and just affirm, God is dwelling with me and in me. Just do that a few times. God is dwelling with me and in me. And then say to yourself, I have access to all the riches of the divine right now. I don't have to wait till I die and get to heaven. I got it right now. That is a statement of faith. So, Lord, we bless you, bless your people. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move all across this room. Lord, I pray right now for people who are tormented in their minds and hearts, people that may be struggling with anxiety, people that may be struggling with the residue and impact of sexual abuse, the residue and impact of uh, any kind of oppression or pain that has touched their life. Father, I pray right now for the healing presence of Christ. 
the healing presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to touch that person in a very deep place right now and begin to break the bondage of the past and break the prison of their own mind. Lord, let your healing grace, let your healing and affirming word penetrate their heart and mind. Right now, if, if you're here and you were a victim of any kind of abuse, there is a presence, there is an anointing right now that is moving. If you will just access it by faith, and if you will let the emotion come to the surface, you don't have to hold on to it. We always say there's more room on the outside than there is on the inside, and it's time to let it go. It's time to allow the healing presence of Christ to come in, and the power of the blood of Jesus to forgive yourself for being a victim. If that's how you feel, not saying that you, you did anything wrong, I just realize that psychologically there are times that we blame ourselves for things that other people have done to us because it's so emotionally overwhelming and hard to deal with. And so what I'm saying is that psychologically it's okay to forgive yourself. You may need to forgive God. God, why did you let this happen to me? It's okay. It's okay. Let the peace of Christ come over you right now. You don't have to forgive your perpetrator until you no longer are a victim. So many people want people who've been wounded to forgive their perpetrator when they're still victimized in their own mind because of the pain of the incident. And then they beat up on themselves or whatever. Don't even fight that battle. Whatever that person did, they were wrong. And your feelings are valid, but you don't have to stay there. So you can let the healing presence of Christ right now deliver you out of that place and heal the deepest wound inside your heart and life. And so, Father, we thank you for that right now. Holy Spirit, let the breath of God just come on us and set us free. If you've been living with anxiety, there are so many people that have anxiety disorders. Come on, let's press into God for you right now. If you've been living with an anxiety disorder... Just anxious about the future, worried, uncertain, insecure. The only place that has to exist is in your mind. And so, Heavenly Father, right now we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to just come over those places in the hearts and minds of your people. Lord, perfect love casts out fear. And so I'm asking right now for the depth of your love, the current of your love to rise up over our hearts and minds and give us reassurance and give us security and give us peace. All that stuff's in you. Peace is in you. Security is in you. Love is in you. Healing is in you. It's just a matter of accessing it. You don't have to get God to give it to you. It's a matter of accessing it by faith. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right, we'll have some prayer, uh, people trained to pray with you. If, if you'd like to receive some prayer, we'll have some people up front, but I'm going to release you. Thank you for coming today. I hope you were blessed. I hope you were impacted in a positive way. We love you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day.